and welcome back to Crime and Coffee. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. And we're glad to have you here. Yeah, we are. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, we are. It's, and Mike, I'm glad to have you here. I'm glad to have you. I, thought, I was wondering if you were going to say that specifically. Yeah. I kind of needed that today. Really? I think so. Are you yeah. feeling low? No. No, I just needed to be told that I'm needed. Well, I need you. Oh, I... Ooh. I mean, right you know, now? in the sense of as my partner on the show, as my oh. partner in life. Anything else? We'll see. Okay. If you play your cards right, we'll see. Good. Well, yeah. Hey, after this podcast, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Hey, speaking of today. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you and yours. It's what? Halloween. It's Halloween. It's spooky. Spooky day. Spooky, spooky, scary Halloween. You asked me if I wanted to see a horror movie last night, and I said no. You're such a baby. I'm not a baby. I just don't like the negative connotations of, you know. Wait, I don't like to be negative. <laughs> well, in the Here I Am Making a Murder podcast. I'm going to go upstairs and watch football. And I did. And my the, name's Mike. Notre Dame won last night, so that's good. Oh, God. Yeah. Got to so, watch with my dad a little bit, World Series stuff. It's good. They're, yeah. They're in town only for a couple of days. Figured I'd watch a little bit more with my dad while he's here. So, took advantage of that. Yeah, it's good to bond with your father. Yeah. Then we got to take the kids out for Halloween this evening. Yep. So, um, actually, first time that our 13-year-old won't be with us. I know. He's going with his friend. I'm um, going to go in his neighborhood and gallivant and do what they do. First time ever. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully we've taught him well as far as what to do when people's lights are out here in, here in Florida. It's like if people's lights are out, that means they don't participate in Halloween, I guess. Or they're not home. Right. Either one. So sometimes you'll see people moving around. Like when I was a kid and I saw people inside and I rang the bell and they didn't come, I'd just keep on going. You know, be like, well, clearly they can't hear or something, you know. I know when we lived in Illinois, I never paid attention to porch lights. No, me neither. I just assumed that everybody was in. Right. And I'd say most people in our neighborhood did hand out candy. Yeah. Whereas here, I don't know. It's like half the neighborhood doesn't do it. Yeah. And then there's some passive aggressive people that are like they put notes on their door so the kids have to like come and see and read it. But and, their lights are on. Yeah, and lights are on, and they say, well, we don't participate in Halloween. Don't ring our bell or like, something. Like, good for you. Just shut your damn light off. So we taught the kids from a young age, take eggs and <laughs> smash it all over their windows. <laughs> and, well, you know, hopefully they teach their kids the same. And then our four-year-old was like, but won't that hurt their house? And we're like, you're just going to do it. Yeah, and it'll probably take the paint off their cars, too. <laughs> so you put it right on their cars. Extra, extra eggs on the cars so that tomorrow morning, when the sun rises, it really bakes on there. This is called learning a lesson, children. <laughs> And maybe, you're going to do it. Yeah, maybe next year they will give candy. Maybe they'll spend $5 and give the kids candy. So speaking of candy, we're going to teach them a lesson. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully uh, our son learns that and takes that on to another um, neighborhood that he's going to. Yeah, so we watched Halloween last night, me and the kids and your mom. I heard the uh, the dinging of the piano. Like, ding, oh, yeah. Ding, ding, whatever it is, the... Uh, the sound I, the music yeah the music My, cameron's like this is really overplayed this song because every time michael myers is kind of like in the presence the music starts back up and obviously it was made in 1978 so it's kind of cheesy and he gets like really into any kind of sounds like you know he, he kind of really gets bugged by stuff that happens too much yeah and reese obviously hadn't seen it but she liked it. I wasn't afraid to show it to her because it really doesn't show much. Like, you don't see blood so much. Which is weird because it's rated R. One of the scenes, the guy did get stabbed through the chest and it held him to the door. So oh, nice. that may have been a little questionable. <laughs> and then I did fast forward through a sex scene. Oh, good. Yeah. Even though they know the whole deal. Exactly. You the jig wanna, is up. You didn't want to sit there and like explain it. Tab no. A, slut B, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it was good. We good. had fun. Good. Well, um, you know, got extra spooky day here, and now we're going to bring some crime to the table. And uh, I, I believe you're up this week. I am up this week. I and get to I guess sit back and listen. We'll just dive right in. Yeah, let's do it. So I originally worked up another story, and then it dawned on me when I'm recording this with you, it's going to be Halloween. Mm-hmm. So I started to halt my work up on the other story. And look up murders that happened on Halloween. Smart. So I moved in that direction. Okay. You know, Halloween is supposed to be a night of tricks and treats and fun. But in this story, there was nothing fun about it. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued to hear more. You did a good job, I'm, I imagine. I mean, maybe... Well, you... I haven't even started, so you have no idea what kind of job well, I've done. Well, a good job looking into something for Halloween. Oh, okay. So you may have done a shit job on the story. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll find out shortly. So we're going to go back in time to 2004. Um, this place or this story takes place in beautiful wine country of Napa Valley. So it's Valley. not in the future. This is in the past. It's actually, this one's in the past. Oh, okay. Yeah. Next week I'm going to do one that's happened in the future. So just so somebody knows. <laughs> um, so obviously, well, I've never been to Napa Valley. So I can't say obviously, but from the things I've heard and the things I've seen, it's absolutely gorgeous. You need to go there. Yeah, I, I do need to go there for sure. I'm, I'm a wine lover. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on a weight loss journey lately, so wine hasn't been much of my life, but I do enjoy it. And Wine's kind of off the menu at this point. Yeah, a lot of things are off the menu right now, but... Um, but you still have some once in a while. Yeah, I, I did start phasing it back in here and there responsibly and right. counting it. Yeah. But um, I've always wanted to go to Napa Valley. Um, so it's it's gorgeous. The weather's beautiful. Views are spectacular, and on a other high note, crime levels are actually pretty low. And this story takes place in 2004. Prior to the incident that I'm going to tell you about, there hadn't been a murder in some time. I believe it was over two years. Well, generally, people go there for you know wine, and they do their tours. I didn't even know a ton of people lived in Napa Valley. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people living there. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was over two years that there had been a previous murder. Okay. So... Um, I guess it's kind of rare that there's a that there's young people living there from what I read. Like they kept saying like there's not much nightlife in Napa Valley, so these three young people live together. Yeah, it's more like daytime, go into the wine sell you know, wine places, whatever they're called. The vineyards. vineyards. <laughs> there you go. There it is. It's keep in mind, guys, we record this uh podcast before the sun rises. Yeah. So we might be scratching out some of those cobwebs. Well, I'm not the brightest uh, tool in the shed <laughs> either, so not that that even makes sense. Um yeah, it's pitch black outside right now. So anyway, um, the story starts with two girls. It's Lauren, and I'm going to leave out her last name because in one of the articles I read, she had asked that her name be left out. Hmm. Um, it's readily available online, but I did see that and I thought in my head, well, obviously she doesn't want it mentioned. Okay. So I'm leaving it out. Her yeah, name is Lauren. That's fine. And um, she meets a gr- another girl, and uh, her name is Adrian and Sonia. Uh, Lauren is 27 at this time and Adrian is 26 and they hit it off and decided, Hey, we're going to get this cute little house in Napa. And I did see pictures of it and it was adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a two story house on Dorset street. Um, not far from downtown on the west side of town. And I'm sorry, they're youngish. They're 20. 27. Lauren's 27 and Adrian is 26. Okay. And Lauren is an all-star, all-state all athlete with a political science degree. And she, at that time, she's working as a volleyball coach at a community college. And 26-year-old Adrian and Sonia is a civil engineer with the city sanitation district. Oh, wow. Yeah. Smart folks. Um, 
Exactly. And I guess um, that was more of a profession where it was very uh, heavily male driven. So Mm -hmm. it was, you know, kind of cool that she had gotten into that profession. So Adrian is a female. They're both females. Yes. All females here. Got it. Yeah. And then I watched a video where Lauren described Adrian as very mellow, smart, a very good friend. Um, She had also been described as a very tough girl. I guess when she was in high school, somewhere around age 16, she had survived a near fatal car accident. Mm. I guess the car rolled several times. She had a lot of physical and emotional um, recovery from this accident. Of course. I guess her self-esteem really took a plummet at this time. You know, I don't know what the injuries were that she sustained, but at 16, you know, that's a tough age. Yeah, pretty You're kind of coming into your womanhood and figuring yourself out. It seems like there's a couple like tough ages, like three to four, where you're kind of like learning how to be a human. And then you get your puberty stage where you're becoming from a kid to an adult. So those are very formative stages. Well, we went to a carnival on Friday and it was very heavily run by like teenagers were around. Yeah. And I looked at you and I'm like, oh, teenagers are the worst. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't like them when I was a teenager. No, you sure didn't. You've been like 45 to 50 years old mentally since you were born, I think. You know, I just don't like jackass behavior. Yeah. Like that show, actually, Jackass. Yeah. And all the the boys were like, it's like, that's not even funny. Just like, I'll around, laugh when it's funny. Throwing a ball and just like, oh, bro. Just such idiots. <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> so anyway, she recovered from that accident, both both you know with her physical and emotional obstacles, and came came through. So also a very tough girl. Um, so anyway, the two hit it off, and they were looking for a place to live. They found this house. They you know moved in together. So on move in day, the two recruited help from some friends. I guess Adrian worked with a girl named Lily, and she was very close with her. They um, not only worked together, but they also worked out together. Um, so she came. Um, their friend Ben Katz and then another guy, Eric Koppel, they came over for move in slash like a move in celebration. You know how you have to like bribe your friends to help you with like pizza and beer. Usually that is the case. Yeah. At a younger age, pizza and beer. Yes. The younger ages. I remember that in our twenties. Yeah. We often had painting parties and move in parties. Yeah. Everybody. Cause everybody's moving. Everybody's getting married. Everybody's doing all that stuff. And whereas now they're like, no, don't even call to offer me. Don't even ask me to help you move. Just hire somebody because we're at the point in our lives where I don't need to be picking up heavy boxes anymore. Well, not only that, but we've all moved so many times. We want no part of it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to move my house, let alone your house. To be fair, if one of my friends needs help moving, I'm there. Don't worry. You don't want to be there, but Uh, you will be there. eh, That's fine. It's a little exercise. It's nice. (laughs) Uh, I won't be there. Right. That's fine. I'm just kidding. I help my friends with the decorating and setting things up. And may I say, you're fantastic at unboxing. Like, uh, if we ever move houses when we do move apartments houses were in the past we've been totally unpacked within a day and a half i'm what you would call a psycho yeah like you see people that are in the movies like oh, i'm still unpacking and i was like you're, you're always like well i was done unpacking that day well we moved in on a saturday and we were having cameron's birthday party on a sunday and granted the party wasn't going to be at the house it was going to be at like a jump place but everyone was coming back to the house so everyone was so confused when they came in because they're like did didn't you guys just move like yesterday like, yeah <laughs> you're like of course yes now here sit down i'm gonna make a little <laughs> meal in my new kitchen that i don't really know about but we also just came back from a vacation a mini vacation on uh, monday and within 15 minutes of being home i was fully unpacked 
whose suitcase currently is balancing on the bathtub? That'd be me. I have my hand up in the air. Son of a bitch. Well, you know, it's already ready for the next vacation. Oh, yeah. Let's keep that. that I love it's that idea. It's a positive thing. So showing that hard work will lead to vacations. There is nothing positive about that, Mike. Thank you. So now they're a, they're a duo at this point, but we're moving into June of 2004, and they become a trio. Okay. Um, you know, there's three bedrooms in the house. I imagine it must be pretty damn expensive to live in Napa Valley. Um, I don't know what housing prices are there, but I know California in California, general. Yeah. So in getting Napa, anywhere that you've heard of in California is probably pretty expensive. And I think it's pretty impressive that these two 20 something year old girls were actually able to rent a house there. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, said Lauren was poly sci volleyball, but not really anything to do. Maybe she has had family money or something. I, who knows? But yeah. she's at a community college as a volleyball coach. Okay. Um, so now they meet Leslie Mazzara. She was an outgoing former beauty queen from South Carolina. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. So you said Lauren, Adrian, and Sonia. No, Sonia. Oh, no, Sonia? Who I the just, hell is Sonia? I don't know. I wrote down Sonia. I said their friend Lily helped them move in. No, no. Like in the beginning, you said there's three girls, Lauren, Adrian, and Sonia. <laughs> nope. No? No, I'm the story does not contain a Sonia. I was like, why aren't you talking about Sonia? You're just talking about Lauren and Adrian. Sonia don't exist. Okay. Sounds good. So sorry. And you, who's who, who's this new roommate? Possibly? Leslie Mazzara. Leslie. I have to write everything down because my memory is absolute <sighs> shit. God so help me. Leslie Mazzara. It's nope. going to be a long life. Yeah, sure is. It's only going to get worse. Once he gets confused later in life... <laughs> I might just have to open the door and let him wander. Yeah. <laughs> like a little dog. How do I wash my pee-pee, Allison? <laughs> that's that's going to be my go-to. So um, Leslie had just moved from South Carolina to Napa. I guess she had gone through a, bro- a breakup. Um, so she wanted to relocate, you know, start fresh. Uh, she actually worked as a greeter at the Niebaum Coppola Winery, run by none other than Francis Ford Coppola. Really? We've had their wine before. Yeah, yeah, the Coppola ones. Mm-hmm. Coppola or whatever. However yeah, you however it, you it? say it. I, I've always said Coppola, but yeah, so I've heard it say said Coppola. So Same. potato, potato, Coppola, Coppola. Yep. Um, her mom recalled that as a younger girl, she wanted to be a mother, a teacher, and Miss America before she was 21. Wow. That's really cute. That's cute. Um, And then Lauren would describe her as outgoing and spunky, warm and filled with Southern hospitality and someone that people were just drawn to. Hmm. You know, just as she did mention, men were very much drawn to her too. Well, in California, I mean, I would imagine a Southern accent she has. She did. So yeah, that's kind of sexy a little bit. And we know she's pretty. She was a, you know, former beauty queen. Yeah. So, um, the girls were very, very well liked in town and just with her peer group, very social, fun, plenty, plenty, plenty of friends between the three of them. Mm. Just good, good girls. Sound like fun gals. Exactly. And you know, what a great time. They're in their twenties together. You know how that is. You have that freedom. You don't have kids. You don't have an old ball and chain dragging you. uh, I mean, Mike. None of that baggage. No, no. I feel the same about you. So it's perfect. (laughs) You know how it is. Like I lived with girls in college and it was just a totally different thing than what we're doing right now. And you weren't even that fun of a person, let's be honest. Like you just like to sit at home and have... Knit, crochet. Actually, I don't do that. None of those things. But just read and light candles, I think. No, that is not true. I was a very fun and cooperative roommate. Did I miss that portion? Oh, no. Yeah, no. We went to plenty of bars and had nightlife. Remember, I even tried a beer bong that one time in our apartment. Yeah, and spit it all over the place. I tried to tell everybody, uh, my throat does not accept like 
rushing cold liquid, it will seize up. And they're like, no, you just open your mouth and relax. Yeah. That beer. Like everybody does it just fine. Don't worry. Well, <laughs> it, I wasn't cut out for that beer bong. You so people, I am fun. I am fun. I'm trying to tell you I'm fun. Don't listen to Mike. So um, everyone was getting along great. No issues. Uh, just having a good old time living together. And then they hit a little bump in the road on October 28th. Leslie had brought home a boyfriend, and I guess, you know, they got into their extracurricular activities, which mm-hmm. got a little bit louder, and they kind of kept the girls up um, that night. So uh-huh. it was kind of one of those things where you call together like a family meeting. They yeah, well, you together. have to. Yeah, you, have to you know, they establish the boundaries and the rules of living together. Yeah, like you want to be respectful. Problem, get it out there. Exactly. Yeah. So they really had never discussed the rules when bringing home a gentleman caller. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after talking, they're like, well, you know, it's not really practical to say you can't bring a guy home. No. Well, you, you know, you're to... in your 20s. They're all single. Of course. Mingling. Yeah. You got to have some sex. Well, and, you know, it's just part of life. Of course. You have so. three roommates. It's going to happen. But you can be a little more respectful instead of like banging off the walls. And exactly. Stuff. Keep it down a bit. Like, I mean, you got to have a good time. So no, keep it down. Oh. I'm sorry. I've lived with other girls before and I'd never heard them and they never heard me. Yeah. Let's I, I guess that's the situation. If you really want to get crazy, go get your own apartment or rent a hotel room for the night. Right. Right. Whatever. Like, do your thing. Be free. I don't want to hear it. Like that's typically what you do. You're like, Mike, we need to rent a hotel. For oh, one I'm like, I just need to let it rip. <laughs> yeah, we can't do it with kids. In the and house, you're like, baby. Allison, okay, come on. Fine. Calm down. Yeah. So a couple nights later, obviously it's Halloween. Um, and the three girls, they just kind of stayed home, had a quiet night in. They, uh, you know, handed out candy as we'll all be doing tonight mm-hmm. to trick or treaters. Better be. Otherwise you're getting eggs. Exactly. Um, by 11 p.m., the three had headed to bed. It was lights out, quiet in the house. Adrian and Leslie headed upstairs to their bedrooms. Lauren had a downstairs room, and I saw a video. Obviously, it was a um, like recreation of what happened, but her bedroom appeared to be under the staircase. Hmm. So uh, if you're walking down the stairs, you have no sight of her her door it's okay. like under and behind you small yeah, yeah. well i i don't know what the setup was how the house was well, i'm picturing like a i mean anytime you see a room under under steps it's pretty small room it's like a storage room almost yeah no it was a, it was a bedroom oh okay so um all was quiet in the house until about 1 30 or 2 in the like between 1 30 and 2 in the morning a security light had been tripped behind the garage and lauren heard her dog chloe kind of give like a warning bark or growl um, she wasn't really, you know, taken aback by this because Adrian had cats and apparently they would occasionally trip lights or, or make sounds or whatever. And I'm sure the dog had gone after the cats and growled. So regardless, she wasn't, you know, nervous about this. Not overly. Exactly. Yeah. So um, she quieted her dog and began to drift back to sleep when she heard someone enter the house and head upstairs. Again, not very concerned at this point. She's assuming it was one of the guys that Leslie was dating. And she remembers thinking, oh, here we go again, you know, from the episode that just happened on the 28th. Yeah. Get ready. Put in some earplugs. Exactly. So again, starts kind of drifting back to sleep. And then she hears a terrifying commotion of a, and the commotion and a blood curdling scream. Mm-hmm. She knew immediately that something awful was happening. She heard Adrian's voice is what stood out to her. And she heard Adrian screaming, 
oh my god please help please help wow so you know she's jolted out of a sleep at this point it's 2 a.m it's pitch dark you know how it is like you're you're getting your bearings about you of like first it's like did i just hear what i heard what woke me whatever is this a dream like what's going on where am i what time is it yeah Yeah. you know you're trying to get yourself together Mm -hmm. um so in the pitch darkness of the house lauren crept out of her bedroom and kind of stood in the doorway of her bedroom she's completely overcome with fear frozen in the darkness and she's listening you know kind of figuring out like what the hell is going on yeah and the intruder basically comes bounding down the stairs she said he was just flying down the stairs breaking stuff as he came around and she assumed at this point that she was going to be the next target and not really even knowing what to do at this point she kind of just ran from her room and in a panic she headed toward the back door the problem with the back door is you're enclosed within a six foot fence around the yard. So mm-hmm. you're essentially trapped. You got to try to hop it. Obviously, She doesn't know what's what's going to happen at this point. Right. And, and then if you get out there, you so you have to figure another 30 seconds to get over this fence at least. So you're not gone out of the, you're out of the house, but you're not you're away not from free. the danger. Yeah. You still have the other obstacles. Yeah. So um, she described that she felt like she was truly in a horror horror movie and she was absolutely sure that she was going to die wow so she had gotten out of her room and went upstairs or she didn't even go upstairs no she's frozen in her doorway under the staircase just trying to figure out what's happening this intruder comes barreling down the stairs well imagine you you hear that and like some you know breaking shit like like in a movie and they you know i'm putting myself in her position and trying to think oh my god like first first you're thinking what the hell is going on and then all of a sudden you're like holy shit like shit is real like this is uh-huh. this is an emergency situation this is everything this is a horror movie basically yes. in my house what do i do exactly because at this point she knows this is really bad something terrible has happened because she's hearing adrian screaming oh god please help and she's physically hearing this person run down the stairs and as a woman it's got to be extra frightening because I mean, I'm a big guy, so I mean, I can. I always think like if I, if I really, really wanted to, I could overpower three, four women, probably. Like you know, so it's like you got to feel really defenseless as a woman against a guy who's like crazy and like you, you don't even know who this is. You don't even know what weapon they have. You right. know nothing, right? And like you can't, you have no choice, and that's why like it's so scary as a female, you know, that just like has no power. Like men, we have power. We well, have- and you know, don't take that the wrong way. Mike doesn't mean that women are powerless, but no. let's. Let's be real here. You outweigh me by probably 125 pounds. Yeah, it's just science. Your shoulders are massive compared to mine. You could literally kill me with your bare hands in a matter of minutes. Right. Like I'm 250 pounds. You're 100 something. It's like it wouldn't even be hard. And that's what you're dealing with. And especially somebody that's out of their mind. Like I just can't. I'm trying to picture the opposite. Like I'm a huge bulking dude. I'm not bulking. But Regardless of your size, you would have been scared shitless during this time. Exactly. I promise you that. Yeah. And you know, again, it's this 20, it's 27 year old girl scared out of sleep, not knowing what the hell happened upstairs at her roommate screaming, not it, knowing. I would assume the same thing she assumed that he is coming down those stairs. He is coming for me. Absolutely. And so she can't go out the front door because he's coming down the stairs at the front door. That's what I assumed. I didn't know exactly how the house was laid out, but it sounded like she went to the first available exit and that was the back door. Got it. So now she's in the backyard. She's basically hiding. She did did go for the back door. She did. Okay. So she um, is basically 
hearing what she thinks is the intruder leaving the house as she's hiding in the backyard. But, you know, again, she's not in the house. She doesn't know what the hell's happening. Um, And then so now things are quieting down so she can actually hear Adrian calling for help. Okay. So at this point, she doesn't know. Did the intruder leave? I think he left. Do I take a risk and try to go back in the house? And, you know, you think back like what? And you want to help your friend, obviously. You want Mm -hmm. desperately want to help somebody. But at the same time, how much can you help? Well, and how are you going to help if you have a knife plunged into you right. when you walk through the then door? Then you're useless. Now, now you're dead too. And like, how much does logic come into this when you're like scared shitless? And that's just the thing. I think everything probably happens so friggin' fast that these thoughts all happen in a matter of seconds. And we talked about in previous episodes, you'd be an absolute mess in this scenario. Well, I mean, I'd probably have taken a crap in the yard out of straight fear. Yeah, poor thing. So she's, again, unsure if the intruder has actually left. She goes back into the house to check on her roommate. From when she walks in the door, she creeps up the stairs towards Adrian's room. And when she enters the room, she is met with an absolutely horrifying sight. The entire room is covered in blood and Adrian was lying next to the bed. She was still alive. The Lauren um, could tell that she was basically dying. She Mm. said there was her eyes were open. There was not much there. And in one of her interviews, she's like, I've never seen anybody die. Of course. But often you know, you see that happen. She could tell she's, she's basically dying at this point. Yeah. The life in her is kind of leaving. Mm-hmm, gone. Oh, gosh. She sees Leslie also in the room laying face down in a pile of clothes with a, with stab wounds basically covering her upper body and arms. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it's not even just Adrian like she could have suspected because she only heard Adrian. Right, right. She didn't hear Leslie at all on this. Oh my God, please help, please help. Yes. So Lauren runs back downstairs and she's slipping. And from the one picture I saw, they were wooden stairs. So she's like slipping all over and she realizes she's slipping in her roommate's blood. Of course. Yeah. Just absolutely horrifying. And at this exact moment, she doesn't even know if she's safe. Right. You know, this person could still be there. Of course. And you think you heard that they left, but I mean, maybe they left and came. And maybe they're crouched in the living room. Everything's going through your head right now. You just saw your two roommates murdered, Mm -hmm. basically. Oh, my God. So she basically goes down to the kitchen and attempts to call 911 on the kitchen phone, but finds that it's dead. I don't know why it was dead. It was never said in the story that the person cut the line or anything like that. Yeah. Now, this is 2004. There are cell phones. Right. Um, so at least she had that option as a plan B. So she grabs her cell phone to call 911. And as she's giving the operator information, she jumps in her car and starts driving away, which I thought was very smart. Yeah. Because she's fleeing the scene to get away from that person if he is still there. Like, listen, I have no doubt that there's all these like snoops online that are like, she should have stayed and done this and whatever. Yeah, right. There's probably, I don't know, whatever. But just get the fuck out of Dodge. Like, you you can't help these people. You're not a medical professional. Exactly. You know, if I'm her mom or dad, I'm like, get away and we'll help, you know, call for help like you're doing. Well, she did. Yeah, exactly. She's done everything correct. Yeah, exactly. So she's driving away. She's calling and giving information to the 911 operator. And, you know, in, in those matter of minutes, her life had completely changed. Of course. She went from being a 27-year-old, having a great time living with these two other spunky fun girls. Some of to, the best times of your life. Exactly. To just boom, done, roommates are dead and gone. Well, you've witnessed murders, basically, yes. and stab wounds and horrifying blood. And you're probably going to have PTSD from this. Exactly. Good Just in, in a matter of minutes. And it's, not to mention her roommates are also, their lives have changed completely by being murdered. 
Exactly. Ugh. So I guess when the officers arrived on the scene, it was so horrific that one of the female officers actually had gotten ill and wow. had to leave. Yeah. Wow. Um, I guess there was just blood everywhere. There was, I mean, cops are still humans, so. Of yeah. course. <laughs> it's, uh, and they might have daughters. And of course. Regardless if they do or don't, they're seeing a human stabbed to death right we all think that we can deal with stuff and then it comes down to it the real shit and it's like wow this is a person that got their life taken Mm -hmm. and it's horrible and you're you're watching it yeah so there's blood covering the staircase and that's i believe what lauren was slipping on as she was walking back down um the detective wanted to preserve the crime scene so he actually entered the scene at the upper window they had got a ladder oh wow and went and entered the house through that so that they weren't tracking around brilliant you know, because they're seeing blood. Whose blood is it? They don't know. Got to test it all. Exactly. So the poor mothers of these girls, Adrian's mom at the time, I don't know if she was living in Australia or if she was just there. She got the news when she was in Australia. Leslie's mother was living in Michigan when she got the news. And obviously both are completely devastated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Lauren is the sole survivor of this tragedy. So police are trying to rely on her. But... She didn't get a look at who was in the house. Yeah. It was pitch dark. She, from the video I watched, like I said, it's under the stairs. So she can't see oh, the no. person walking down the stairs. Yeah. Oh, this isn't an under, unsolved, is it? Um, yeah, you, you can save it. I'll you give you, do you want me to tell you? No. It's solved. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, we're good. I, I, my story last week, I'm sorry I brought an unsolved one. That's well, solved. there are definitely going to be, because there are some really interesting unsolved cases. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do understand, like, I hate watching Unsolved Mysteries. It's yeah. a great, great show. It's great stories, but Oh, or when you're watching Dateline or whatever, and it's just like, man, like you, we still don't know. You just want to know who, <laughs> what kind of a monster was responsible for this. To be to be fair, in my story with Robert Wan, um, we pretty much know it was somebody, one of those people. Yes, we just don't know exactly. You don't get the satisfaction of having that as a definitive and that they went to jail. And Exa- all that crap. Injustice was served. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Um, Again, they're relying on Lauren being the sole survivor for answers. Who in the hell would want to kill her roommates? Lauren at this time is now suspicious of everybody. Well, she, yeah, that's going in my head. I'm like, oh, there's these three like girls, like young and fun, and like who the fuck would come in and just murder them? Like right? that's insane. Of course, you said this guy that they she that yeah they were getting with Leslie got with. So I'm trying to think about that. Obviously, so, but, we'll see. Yeah. So, um, you know, she's unsure of who the killer was, if he had intended to kill her. Um, you know, she just can't wrap her head around so many, knowing somebody that would do this. So many scenarios. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, she also kind of has that survivor's guilt in a way. But she's like thinking in her head that the only reason that she was spared that night was her, her bedroom door just happened to be closed. Yeah. You know, and she again, was, you said that you wouldn't even know it's there. It's you know, it's under the stairs, right? You're not so, looking for it. whatever. Yeah. And who knows? Yeah, motives or whatever. You got to think of all this stuff. And of course, there's survivor's guilt. I should have done something differently. You look back. What could I have done to help? Uh, once I heard Adrian saying, "Help me," you know, maybe I should have done something differently there. But but again, it all happened so fast that yeah. obviously she couldn't have done anything. Thank God she saved herself. I mean, that's, that's and then good. you know she tortures herself with questions like. If she had let her dog out, what would have happened? Would she be dead? If she had confronted the intruder, would she be dead? Her dog also was fine and not harmed at all in this. He, she left her dog in the bedroom. 
Wow. When she had fled to the backyard. I can't believe this dog wasn't barking the whole time. And it may have been. Maybe it was. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that. So it's, it's possible this dude didn't want to kill her. Just wanted to kill them too. I Maybe we'll find out. We'll find. I'm maybe, on the edge of my seat yeah. here. Not to, not actually physically because that would be uncomfortable. Yeah. But we want you to be comfortable. Yes. Sit back. Relax. Mike, you sip your coffee. I'm just going to do the legwork okay, okay. and you listen to story time. Like our lives. So the police is are now spending you know, days at the crime scene investigating. They're collecting anything they can collect, obviously, as they do. Um, they've collected fibers and blood that were found on a window that they had believed that the killer had come into and left from. It was a push-up window that had been unlocked mm. that night. Okay. Um, there were no fingerprints and there was no weapon, which, you know, I find that, you know, interesting that there were no fingerprints, but of course, maybe there was gloves Glove. involved. Yeah. Yeah. So DNA workup found three individuals' blood, Leslie's, Adrian's, and what police said was the killer. Mm. The third sample was from a white male of likely European descent. Like most of us white males are. (laughs) Right? Yep. Uh, The town of Napa was terrified because, again, this is a quiet, idyllic town where, you know, things like this just don't happen. Um, they're not sure is there a serial killer on the loose you know what the hell can we expect from this they don't they don't know everybody's minds are spiraling out of control exactly um from the investigators point of view they did not feel that it was an outside crime they believed that the intruder had known the victims and suspected that it was a crime of passion the pattern of the blood at the crime scene and the autopsy results just indicated that whoever did this was very angry based on their stab wounds. So deep stab wounds, aggressive, aggressive multiple. all over. Mm. Yeah. So they're thinking that this is not this is somebody that they knew somebody targeted somebody exactly. came in and wanted to do this and left and then done. So you kind of mentioned something like this, that it was suspected that Leslie was the target. Yeah. She's new to the area. She's met a lot of people. She's gone on blind dates, met a lot of like very kind of guys are attracted to her. Yeah. And, yeah. Basically, you know, people are just drawn to her and she's 26 years old. She's dating, you know, she's meeting guys. That's totally normal. Not much going on in Napa. Yeah. So the idea was that she was the main target and maybe Adrian had just gotten in the way and try to help. Or exactly. Something. Yeah. Um, again, Lauren indicated that Leslie did attract a lot of males. She had a lot of men that were interested in her. Um, Napa detective Dan Lonergan believed that the killer likely entered Leslie's room first. It was weird because all of the stuff that I told you was found. It was in Adrian's room. Hmm. So I don't, I guess maybe there was a trail of blood or something, but Mm -hmm. so they figured he had entered Leslie's room first and speculated that she was attacked while she was sleeping and Adrian likely woke up and heard what was happening. The intruder likely entered Adrian's room then where they both struggled greatly in a vicious fight. And they know that the killer was injured because there's blood on the scene that shows. Yeah. That's Thank God there was some blood. Mm -hmm. I mean, of his. Absolutely. So uh, even uh, you want to anybody listening to a true crime podcast think, what would I do in this scenario? So even if you're going down, you want to try to fight so that somebody can find some Mm -hmm. some information, claw, get some DNA under your fingernails. Exactly. Whatever you can do, any kind of hair pulling, anything. Just Mm -hmm. try to get some evidence. And you're not thinking, I need evidence as I'm going down. But you're just fighting. Yeah, exactly. So Adrian fought and hence the killer lost blood. Right. Um, the investigation started with those close to the girls and there were a lot of people, you know, they were just really cool girls and 
they had a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, the police collected 266 items for possible evidence, from mi- microscopic fibers to cigarette butts. The cigarettes hadn't appeared to be there for a long time. They weren't weathered. Um, the girls were not smokers, so they didn't come from them. Hmm. 1,300 people had been interviewed. 200 DNA samples had been collected. Um, they were all voluntary DNA samples. Hey, you know them. Let me swab your cheek type of situation. Wow. None of them were a match. Yeah, odds are they're, they're not going to find the match of voluntary DNA samples. Right? Hey, yeah, I'm going to go <laughs> grab myself some Chick-fil-A, and then I'll come on in and get my cheeks swabbed. Yeah, sorry to laugh, but it's like the murderer is probably not going to show up in these voluntary <laughs> Yeah, ones. they're uh, kind of hiding under the radar. I mean, they, you've, you've heard stupid stories, obviously. Um, you do. Yeah, maybe somebody's just like trying to prove innocence. Like, yeah. Oh, and you know, within the friend group, that's probably what it is. They say, everybody start giving your DNA, and then if somebody really doesn't want to give their DNA, There's we're going to look at that person. There's your red flag. Smart. That yeah. is better. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So after three weeks, the police were kind of feeling like they were hitting a dead end. So it's interesting because I got a lot of my information. Um, let me just flip my page here. It was um, like a psychic medium show. Mm-hmm. You, you should lick your fingers. You ever do that? I always wondered why. I thought it was disgusting when I was younger. My teachers would lick their fingers all over the pages, and I'd, and I'd see their spit on the page. That's gross. Yeah. But I, I do do that. You have to. Um, so this was from Psy- Psychic Investigators. I got a lot of this information from. It's a show, I guess. Oh. But I guess um, somehow a medium had gotten involved in the case. You know why? Because it's in California. Oh, yeah, it's true. And Lauren was also involved with these. Like, she was talking with these people, and... I, you know, I, I believe that some people can sense, you know, the other half that is past, but some kind of energy. Yeah. Can so access some kind of energy. There were two people. They were both mediums and the man was getting information from Leslie and, and Adrian. And I guess Adrian's voice was coming through a lot clearer to him. And so police were open to it. Sure, you know, anything, man, They're like whatever. Right. Bring them in. Maybe through some crazy shit, like we'll find something. Exactly. You just, you don't want to ever close the door on a possibility that could find the person you're looking for. I respect that. And yeah. uh, you would think like, you're probably looking at me, you would think I don't believe in any of that stuff, but it's, I, I think there might be something there. I think there is an energy in the world. So, go ahead. Yeah. So, they even brought those guys in and they came down to the station. And like I said, there were two of them. The man is channeling the girl's voices uh-huh. in his head, but he's mostly hearing Adrian and he's trying to get information about the person who did this. And next to him is a person that's sketching what he's saying. She is also a medium, but he's doing the listening. She's putting it on paper. Mm-hmm. So basically what they came up with was a sketch of a man that had a goatee and they, you know, took this picture and Lauren had said something about the picture was familiar. She couldn't identify the person, but it just triggered something familiar in her. Goatees were kind of in in 2004. Yeah, maybe. So, you know, they basically just added this picture to the case file. Right. Just something had don't pay a lot of attention to this, but if it rings something. Exactly. Come forward. 
Um, and then, you know, while he's doing this listening to what he's saying is mostly Adrian, he had asked Lauren who Lily was. The only person Lauren is thinking of is Adrian's best friend, Lily, and she couldn't wrap her head around how Lily could be correlated with this crime. So she basically dismissed the idea, and so did police. Instead, they focused on those closer to Leslie. Again, they're thinking that this person came to the residence to do this because of Leslie. Mm-hmm. Um Later, the medium came to the home. At this point in time, the home is already cleared out. But, you know, what was put on the news at this time, I don't know. But the medium was able to say, this is where this started. This is where it ended. Um, You know, they did give information that was, you know, pretty interesting. Um, The medium, his name was Michael Perry. He said he strongly felt that the killer was someone that they knew. And because Lily had been brought up, 26-year-old Eric Koppel was added to the detective's checklist to be interviewed and have his DNA sampled. And because the reason, of the media. The reason why Eric was brought up was because he was with Lily. They were a couple. Okay. So Eric's name is brought up. The detective on the case is like, oh, you know what? We haven't interviewed him. We haven't gotten his DNA sample. He added it to his checklist. In this exact process, this detective is taken off the case and rotated out of the investigations department. I don't know. I guess they do rotating. It wasn't like he was taken off the case because of something bad. No, just get you into other things. Exactly. So he's now off the case. He passes the list to the incoming detective, but it fell through the cracks. Eric was never contacted. Well, there's hundreds of things they're probably writing down and who knows what's followed up. Yeah. So... Um, speaking of Adrian's best friend, Lily and her boyfriend, Eric, the couple had been engaged and then they put the relationship on hold. I guess they had hit a rough patch. They were supposed to be married on November 1st, which was technically the day that the murder happened because it was after midnight on Halloween night. Yep. So they had, you know, they were supposed to be married that day. But because they put it on hold, you know, they they weren't. And Lily felt a lot of guilt from this because had they gone through with their wedding, they would have been married in Hawaii and Adrian and Lauren would have both been at the wedding. Mm. So she's thinking in her head, oh, that, that sucks. Yep. So I guess they put their wedding on hold and Lily and Adrian were going to travel to Australia together during right. this, like, was coming up soon. They were going to travel. Um. So... They ended up deciding to get married in January and they invited Adrian's mom, Arlene, to the wedding instead, since, you know, obviously Adrian couldn't be there. And Arlene spoke in Adrian's honor. She gave a toast. She read from the Bible some sort of scripture um, at their wedding. Um, So by the following summer, police remained unable to identify the killer. At this time, they began to look more closely at the two cigarette butts that they had found at the house. Um... They had extracted DNA from them, and that happened to match the DNA from the blood that they had found. So the it's the killer cigarettes. Exactly. So it was speculated that the intruder had stood outside, because that's where they found the cigarettes, and either nervously or whatever, because smoking and the cigarettes had been sucked down to the filters that's exactly what i oh sucked down to the filter Mm -hmm. so thinking should i do this should i do this should i do this yeah so maybe they were doing it to work up the courage or just go over their literal plan of attack right you know that's what they picture that's what i picture i picture them on the like roof like sitting there and like smoking it and what a fucking no they found the cigarettes in the yard yeah um because the killer had entered you know yeah from the window yeah from the, the window i believe it was in the kitchen 
So by mid-August, police are giving more information and they let Lauren know that the killer was likely a smoker. Mm-hmm. So Lauren starts to reevaluate people that she's knowing, thinking about who smokes. And I'd imagine in California, not a lot of people smoke. Yeah, I wouldn't think so since it's a very healthy. Healthier. Yeah. yeah especially in Napa, you know, depending where you go. But Napa's higher end, you know. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So somebody that smokes would probably stick out like a sore thumb. Yes. And this brings to mind Lily and Eric. They're both smokers. Mm. So, um, you know, she's thinking about Eric He's 26 years old, and she describes him as very shy, a very quiet guy, someone who's not very social. Eric had been at the candlelight vigil that was held two weeks after the murders. You know, he's with Lily, who's one of Adrian's best friends. So, And then, of course, Arlene, Adrian's mom, was at his wedding. Um, and he worked as a land surveyor. He had never been in trouble with the law, never even got a speeding t- ticket. Um, so she gave Eric's name to the homicide detective and they had realized, oh, Eric's DNA hasn't even been checked yet. So even when this happened, another month passed without Eric being brought in. Crazy. So at this point in time, it's September of 2005, police are releasing the photos of the brand of cigarettes that the killer smoked, which is Camel Turkish Gold. I guess it was a very rare brand because it was brand new. Like, why the fuck wouldn't this be put out sooner? I don't know. I'm I'm not entirely sure why that was the I case. I mean, sorry, you know, a, a rare brand. Like, it's not like Marlboro Reds. This is Camel Turkish Gold that's new. They had only been out for four months at the time of the murder. Like, that is, that is exactly, that's who you got right there. Somebody mm-hmm. Turkish Gold. I and mean, maybe a lot of younger kids were smoking them because they're new. I get it. Okay, maybe, but... Anything, man. Put it out there, especially with this friend group. They all know each other. They probably go to bars and crap. It's like, okay, who's the smoker in the group? You know, I'd- right? And you know, when people are smoking, they've got their pack of cigarettes sitting on the table. Yeah. So, hmm. um, so at this point in time, Eric is hearing information about the cigarette butts, and he's finding himself under intense pressure. So he writes his family a suicide note doesn't end up carrying it through and his family confronts him and convince him to convinces him to turn himself into the Napa police fucking coward piece of shit. Yep. So Eric went to the police station and turned himself in when Arlene heard the news. She was absolutely devastated. She said almost to the point of when she found out the news that her daughter had been killed. Well, because she just poured her heart out in Bible verses at their wedding and everything. She was invited to the friggin' wedding. Oh my God. So she had never gotten a a vibe from Eric that was negative, that he was dangerous or sinister. Um, Their other friend that had been there on move-in day, Ben Katz, he basically said that, you know, he often hung out with Lily and Eric. He remembers that Lily was the outgoing one doing most of the talking and Eric was basically just there. Well, we all have friends like that, you know, that, you know, one of them's great and fun. Oh, this is the reason we hang out with this couple. And the other one, you know, maybe is like quiet. Like mm-hmm. it's like a shy guy kind of thing. Just like, oh, they, they just are who they are. Like, yeah. You know, everybody knows several people like that. And that's exactly what he said. He just figured he was shy. Or opposite. Maybe the girl's shy and the guy's the life of the party like us. Like you're the one that nobody really wants to talk to. And <laughs> I'm the one that is fun and engaging. Right. <laughs> I'm just you paint such a nice picture no, of no. me. I wouldn't be married to you if that was the case. You're wonderful and beautiful. So obviously people are wondering how Lily is going nearly a year without suspecting a thing. Yeah. And it was very eerie, but she had spoken with 48 hours um, not long after she had gotten married to Eric. 
Um, and she had said that she she said to the camera she couldn't imagine how the killer would go unnoticed. Right. Isn't that so ironic? Yeah. Um, she said somebody must have seen something. Well, somebody nobody ever thinks it's their, you know, like if somebody killed got killed in our friend group, you wouldn't think it's me. No, like, I would not think it was you. Right. You always think you know the best of the people. It's It's probably one of those like paradoxes or something with the person you're with is not one of the people yeah i I don't know he did leave blood at the scene though so where he was cut i don't know or where he was scratched it could have been a small small cut it could have been could have been easily concealed something you wouldn't even think about right um but so she was on camera saying somebody must have seen something somebody out there knows something somebody would have noticed a friend of theirs acting strange. Yep. So oddly enough, as she's speaking these words, Eric is sitting right there in the room with the 48 hours team during this interview. Oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. Wow. She also said, it's important. It's important to find out who did this and to find out why in some sick way. I want to know. I want to know how it happened. I mean, this is my friend. I want to know what happened to her. Arlene believed that Lily could not have suspected Eric. No, I because don't. she was like a sister. And to so Adrian. impassioned about that. And, you know, I'm sure you can look back at the interviews and see that she was being serious. Unless she was like a hell of an actress. Well, and also, like, why the fuck would you want to kill your best friend? Yeah. Well, I mean, she didn't do it. it I know. Was, it, <laughs> or cover up the killing. Yeah, of your exactly. Best well, I mean, I guess maybe if she didn't want Eric to be caught, you know, yeah. it's her husband. But Arlene truly believed that she didn't know. I mean, I don't know much about this, but it doesn't feel like she would. Yeah. So there was no proof that Lily did know that Eric was responsible. Um, The biggest question was how had Eric not been discovered sooner? You know, somehow he just was skipped over in the investigation. Well, I want to know what he was doing that night. If there was any, do you have any of that? Yes, I do. So, um, you know, the big question was why would he have done this? And the DA, Gary Lieberston, uh, felt that Eric was resentful of Lily's other friendships and relationships that took time away from him. So on Halloween night, he had gotten extremely drunk. I think they were at a party. And, you know, he was angry because that was the next day that was supposed to be their wedding. Yeah. So he's drunk. He's belligerent. Kind of a weird day to have a wedding. It was November 1st. I know. But the night after Halloween, like everybody's got plans on Halloween. Yeah, I guess. But these are 20 something year olds. They don't have kids. It's not like, oh, I got to be home having my kid trick or treat. Might be fun unless you're like a Halloween person. Yeah, it might be fun to have like a Halloween bash. Um, Our friend Julie has got married. She got married on Halloween. Yeah. Well, I thought of her. I'm like, well, I I see why she would get married on Halloween. She loves Halloween. Yeah, exactly. So I guess he had gotten drunk, belligerent, um, and Lily just did not want to spend the night with him at their apartment. Or maybe they had separate residences at this point. And Lily's like, nope, I'm not spending the night with you. Bye bye. Mm -hmm. So at this point, he's feeling like his relationship is spiraling out of control and that Lily is slipping away. So he was all alone on what was supposed to be his wedding day. And he says his memory from there is spotty from what he tells the police. How convenient. How convenient. Um, He claims that he had some memory of leaving his house and taking a knife and didn't know how he ended up at the house on Dorset. He remembers smoking a cigarette out front, going into the window, but not much else. He would not admit that he knew what he did. He knew he was responsible, but claimed his eyes were closed. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting how you got right on a human body several times. Multiple times between two girls in two separate rooms. I mean, I, you know, I get it. There's lots of people that black out when they get really drunk and it sounds like he was really drunk and really angry. And, you know, I, 
I I don't I'm not one that blacks out or ever forgets anything from you know drunk nights, but there's plenty of people that do. But the fact that he remembers up to the point of going through the window, that's kind of... You recall smoking the cigarette out front. You know, it's... It's like that mental thing. He doesn't want to admit to himself that he mm-hmm. did it. Exactly. Piece of so shit. So afterwards, he recalls going home and starting a fire pit where he burned his bloody clothes and shoes. He told investigators that he didn't remember what he did with the knife that he used to stab Adrian and Leslie. Bullshit. 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 Yeah, you knew you built the fire. And of course, at this time, the alcohol is probably wearing off. You've been coursed through with adrenaline. So I'm sure at this point in time, he perfectly has his wits about him. Well, the DA has enough to put it on him. Of course. But where the hell is the, the knife? Sure. You know, it could be tossed in some ravine. Who knows? It doesn't. I mean, usually the, the big situation is that you want to put the DNA on the knife with this person and it helps evidence. But I mean, he already said he jumped in. I guess it, the thing is, he doesn't remember or can't see that he did it well he came and you know he yeah admitted he did it okay um so and he had no motive as to why he killed leslie i think it was just wrong place wrong time yeah his target was adrian wow so eric and the district attorney struck a deal to spare the families the ordeal of a trial he pled guilty to two counts of first degree murder and was um spared the death penalty Um, Arlene was able to confront Eric at a sentencing saying, Eric, you knew Adrian, you knew me and Eric, I know you, you are a man who violently stabbed to death the best friend of the woman you loved. That is not love, Eric. You cannot love Lily and bring a knife into Adrian's home and stab her again and again and again and again. She said that seven times because she probably got stabbed. seven times. And yet again, exactly. Mm -hmm. Eric sat stone faced during this. Lily was given the opportunity to speak on Eric's behalf and said, I wish with all of my heart these events hadn't been or had been avoided. Eric, there is nothing you could do to make me love you any less. These words are just just as true today as they were on that afternoon. What the fuck's wrong with her? Exactly. Are you fucking out of your mind? I heard her say these words. I was so disgusted are you kidding so she's basically saying i still love you baby yes. what a fucking scumbag you piece killed of shit. my best friend you killed anybody i don't care who it was like you're fucking murderer like if you murdered somebody i'd be like i didn't i thought i knew you and i'm sorry you have mental issues and yes. you need to go fuck yourself and go to jail and i'm taking the kids and you're not going to be around them like oh my god what a psycho is right? she still alive oh yeah she's she's still alive and eric is a fucking scumbag too oh my god what a piece of shit couple i know and um sorry i'm swearing so much i'm just so angry i couldn't believe it when i read that and when i heard it all i could think of is my best friend lauren and i i would be so devastated if anything happened to her and then to come to find out that you did it yeah you took my best friend this like light in my life and everyone else's out of this world I would not stand in the courtroom and tell you that I love you the same as I did when I got married to like, you. We still, you know, I mean, we we love each other quite a bit. I know? fell in love with you, but you're obviously not the person I fell in love with at this point in time. Right. I don't love a murderer. Right. You uh, know? Yeah. Somebody that would take something positive out of this world. Exactly. Or, oh, my God. So I thought that that was extremely bizarre. And of course... Arlene was I was going to ask about Arlene completely like, blindsided. I mean she just couldn't even believe did she expect this like I, no that's fucking nuts man so Arlene's sitting there after like giving her you know trying to give some closure somehow so she can kind of shit on Eric which I good good for you 
seven that was very and we kind of glaze over it but that was really artsy to say it seven times mm-hmm. again and again and again and because that's wonderfully done by arlene because you want to make them hear it and feel it and ever now i know that she was stabbed seven times because arlene did that but you hear this bitch lily sorry i hate that word she ended up saying the word again i believe it was like eight times okay so, so whatever time she was yeah. stabbed and this freaking lily comes up and says like you're expecting her to be like you're not the guy i thought yes. you were i hope you find peace whatever you don't have to be like i hate you but just be like i still love you no matter like you're fucking psycho like i can't believe arlene or she probably wanted to get up and just like beat her down at that point yeah i think she was probably so shocked to hear her say that that you know she just probably couldn't believe it so she was completely stung by her words well then the psycho found the psycho to marry right basically um so then eric is given the opportunity to speak and he says i am a broken man a man splintered by a penetrating awareness of my own potential for wickedness while i cannot fathom the full extent of the anguish that i have caused i recognize that my sinful deeds have inflicted terrific agony on a number of people the words evade me to articulate the depths of my sorrow i was afraid my relationship with lily the singular ray of light in my black world was in peril of collapsing this is like a, written by like a, a high schooler that had a thesaurus in right. front of them. My imperil of a blah, blah, blah. fucking nerd. Yeah, Shut up, Arlene was idiot. like, yeah, right. You're only sorry for yourself. Yeah, this is a definitely a prepared statement after months of trying to write something. You stupid piece of shit. And like in some of the pictures I saw, like his lawyer, like hugging him and stuff. It's like, ugh. how do you do that? How are you a lawyer that hugs like a I, killer? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I get, you know, mental illness. It's so horrible. But like. This was like bullshit a mental illness. Well, this to kill somebody, you have to weenie. have weenie. Oh, Lily's gonna leave me. <laughs> to murder somebody, you have to have a mental. Her illness. friend Adrian is poisoning her mind. There's a mental illness. You you don't think there's any? Well, yes, I'm sure there was some something going on. And you know what? It's like the weird thing is though is that he had never been in trouble with the law, and you know. Even when you do get married, there's going to be ups and downs. It's like okay, so the next bump in the road, like. Would you have done something then? Like, Well, I'm sure somebody like him probably had several thoughts throughout his life and then just couldn't go through with them, you know, or just didn't and decided not to. You know, the better side of him was like, no, I can't do that. But then one night he got freaking, it was just everything on top and he's not getting married to the love of his life and he's freaking wasted and his dumb ass decides to take another human life because he's, and he couldn't even take his two. own life. He took two. What a loser. Couldn't even take his own life. Freaking little puss bag. And, you know, Lauren was quoted saying he was just deathly afraid of losing Lily, you know, and. Yeah, so go kill somebody. I mean, there's no, no logic, but go no. kill somebody and now you're going to jail, you s- stupid. Piece so, of shit. you know, the ironic thing is he's sentenced to jail for life and will not be with Lily any longer. Well, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of. There's, did you look into any kind of, uh, like, uh, trial to get him out or anything? No, or? no. He's in jail for life without a chance of parole. Parole, that's what I'm yeah. looking for. So, from what I did hear, I guess Lily did end up divorcing him, but she kept his last name. I don't even want to see Lily or hear about her at all. Like, you disgust me, Lily. I hope you're listening to this. You're such a low life. You should do something about that and just go you know, move to well, like, a desolate who knows? area. That was 2004, five. That was 2005. Maybe her attitude has changed since then. She still has his last name, so I don't know if that's if that's still the case. I didn't look up any recent th- things about her. The only reason to keep that is if you have kids and you want to keep their last name too. If you don't, then you're stupid, Lily. 
you suck. You suck yeah. at life. And Eric, I hope um, yeah, you get a lot of people beating you in prison and all sorts of bad things happen. And you stub your toe and you have infections all over your body and all those things and diarrhea. Hope you lots have, and lots of diarrhea. And I hope they make you eat your own diarrhea. So, um, I oddly enough, Eric did end up having a goatee, just like the medium had oh, sketched. Wow. Yep. That's it's really incredible. Yeah, it's kind of cool, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you you can kind of, you know, put some words on that saying that, you know, this is why they drew this. Like I said, goatees were very popular at that time. That's when they came in. And, you know, obviously they probably read news stories about where the murder happened and stuff, but Hey, you know what? That part of it helped them out a little bit and Mm -hmm. that's okay. And that's why they wrote Eric's name down. Yep. Exactly. Although they've, so here's the thing. They interviewed like 50, 60, 70, not interviewed, but had the DNA samples over 200, over 200. So you got freaking. Adrian's best friend's yeah. boyfriend. He wasn't how, one of those. How did he fly under the radar? We don't know. Like we've got 200 deep and we don't have like pretty much like three degrees away from Adrian. I don't, maybe he was just like so shy that like he just flew under the radar. You know, it's like you didn't even think of him, but he was a smoker. That's why I don't know how much the cigarette butts were talked about in the investigation. Obviously the police had them and, and, took the DNA samples Great and job realized getting them. Great that job. they matched the blood. Because it could be anybody. It could be, you know, landscapers or whatever. <clears throat> well, yeah, but also if maybe Lauren wasn't clued in on it early enough because she obviously thought of, okay, who in our group smokes? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lily and Eric smoke. No shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're not going to think some of the closest friends are going to do it, but I mean, you would go into the three or four or five closest friends of every girl. Right. right? Specifically starting with Adrian and Leslie. You know, they're their closest possible friends. Okay, Lauren, who do they hang out with the most? And then go within three degrees of each of them. And Eric was there on move-in day yeah. when Adrian and Lauren had moved in together. So he's one of the closest to this group. So so how he got under the radar for that long, I, I do not know. Yeah. Um. So Arlene was driving um, Adrian's car after her death, and she left the preset stations to what they were programmed to, to, you know, think of her daughter and be close with her. And I guess... um. Adrian's favorite song at the time of her death was She Will Be Loved by Maroon, Maroon five. 5. Yeah, I love that song so much. Yeah, it's awesome. And you song. know, that she says it's so fitting because she she will be always loved. And she says she sometimes expects to see her walking in the door. I see her face clearly beside me. And then I understand just what loss is. Mm. It's very sad. And obviously, Leslie, you know, lost her life in that night, too. It just her bedroom happened to be there. Yeah, you know? we, I was just thinking we didn't talk about her enough. Um, yeah. Just so horribly sad and also this dude eric knew that lauren lived there so yeah he did but again you know he was wasted drunk yeah who knows what his frame of mind was if yeah. he just kind of forgot about her thank god he thank didn't. god yeah i mean in the survivor's thing you know where the guilt survivor's guilt That's, yeah and i don't know how much guilt she has as much as like holy crap i can't believe i i was spared yeah yeah Like you hear that madness happening. You hear this crazy person running down the stairs. You think I'm, I'm done, but thank God she was spared. Yeah. Good job. Lauren getting out. Yeah. Oh man. So very, very sad. Unfortunate should have never happened. Despicable. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing the story. Yeah. That was well done. Um, Good, good storytelling and, yeah, hope Eric rots in prison and uh, dumbass ex-wife Lily comes to her senses and finds something yeah. in her life. 
All right. Well, hey. Anyway, I hope you're all safe out there on Halloween. Don't eat too much candy. Probably listening to this after Halloween, I would imagine. Probably. But I hope you had a great Halloween. And um, yeah, we'll be back to you next week. Oh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Crime and Coffee 2, Crime and Coffee 2, both on Instagram and Twitter. The number two, Crime and Coffee number two number two yeah and uh hey poop yeah and uh give us a five-star rating on uh apple ipod or you know podcasts if you could thank you very much tell some friends and uh, we're doing a great job everybody thank you for listening yeah thank you and we will see you next week all right bye. bye